0: Hello, everyone. We are so glad that you have joined us today. Uh, This has been quite a while since I think it was March when we began uh, recording our services due to not being able to meet. Uh, It seems like it has been a long time. Well, I, I do believe that we're getting closer to the end of of not being able to meet. However, we have some things that we do have to put in place. We have to get prepared for a time when we can meet and we also don't certainly don't want to meet uh in Thors until it's going to be safe so uh, pray with us that we'll we'll do the things needed to do in order to make this a safe place when we come in to worship now also we want to ask that you be much in prayer for us as we're going to attempt uh, bible study uh very soon we want to go through bible study before we start actual worship service in here I, we will announce the date uh, that that will begin it will not begin this week uh, possibly the following week but we we will let you know we'll make sure to let you know again we are glad that you are with us today those of you who are tuning in is not part of our uh, local body we just thank you for being with us and we want to share that if you don't have a church family, that Reedy Branch would love to welcome you as part of our church family, especially once we're able to come indoors to, to worship together. Well, today we want to turn our attention to uh, part two of Peter's message. Uh, if, you to, if you have your Bibles, if you would begin to turn to chapter two in the book of Acts. We're going to look today in verses 22 through 28. Verses 22 through 28 in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Now, a couple weeks ago, in the first point of Peter's message in Acts 2, we, we saw his focus. We saw that Peter was focused on the truth of what took place and the testimony of God's word. Today, as we begin to look further in to this message, as we look at what I would call part two uh, of the of the message, or uh, the second point, maybe even uh, this message, we notice is about Peter's faith. Now, one writer stated, "What keeps us from falling into the world's trap of destruction and pain?" He said, "Faith. Faith is the key. Faith is the living and true." Faith in the living and true Jesus Christ as Messiah is what keeps us from falling away. Sometimes we may be on the verge of despair and then without warning as we meditate on the Holy Scriptures, our faith is ignited and we are once again on fire for God. As a matter of fact, faith is so much of a key element to us not falling by the wayside, that even the Hebrew writer in chapter eleven and verse six he teaches us that without faith, it is impossible to please god i i want I want to reiterate this that faith is the key, and in this second point of the message in verses twenty two through twenty eight we begin to see peter's faith on display so let's look here in these verses in verse twenty two The Bible records these words, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands. You have crucified and put to death whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. This is God's holy word. As we think about faith, pray with me, would you? God, as we do come before you today, we thank you. We praise you. For loving us. We praise you God for. Taking care of us to this point in our lives. We thank you God that we can trust you with the rest of our lives. God we just thank you for all your many blessings. And God we just thank you for the measure of faith that you've given us. For you've given every man a measure of faith. And God with this measure of faith that we can. It's enough that where we can believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But God, we must exercise this faith. Help us as we go through this message to see the faith of your apostle. And help us, God, to be strengthened in our faith in the midst of it all. And we'll give you praise for all that's accomplished. God, be with us throughout the remainder of this service. And if there's one with us whose faith is weak, that, God, you would speak to their hearts and strengthen them where they would call out to you. What must I do to be saved? For we know that you are faithful and just to forgive them of their sins, cleanse them from all unrighteousness, and give them a new life. Now, God, we're going to look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we're looking here in these verses, let's, let's look here quickly at, at Peter's faith being in a proven Jesus. Peter's faith is seen here in a proven Jesus. Have you ever felt that you needed to prove yourself? After my first semester in college, my closest friend at the time, he decided he was going into the military. Well, I knew this was going to force me to to get to know some new people. So as I entered into my second semester, I decided to join a popular fraternity. But me, with all my insecurities, I also knew that this meant that I was going to feel like I had to prove myself in order to fit in. Well, I felt throughout this whole, the whole entire pledge process that I was constantly having to prove myself. Later in the spring, I gained favor with many of the guys through intramural sports. But before then, there were several guys who were uh, in school and they were preparing to be commissioned into the military and they looked upon me as someone who was weak and frail. I was a lot smaller than what I am now back then. And and from the beginning as they would look at me this way, it, it bothered me and I, I wanted their approval. So that semester I just happened to be taking ROTC on campus. So to prove myself, I volunteered for their Raiders training. These guys that were in the fraternity, they were helping lead this training. And I thought it would be one way for me to show them that I wasn't who they thought I was. Well, this training would be, would last only 10 days. It was filled with lots of running and lots of maneuvers. And some of the guys, they laughed. When they, when they found out that I had volunteered for this and they declared that I wouldn't last two days. Their intentions were to make it as hard as they could on me so that I would quit. As a matter of fact, there were many in the group that quit. We're talking about the, after ten days of, of of crawling in in cold weather, where we would start at between five and six a.m. before school, and, and I was crawling on grass and in mud and and on dirt and and running all around campus and and doing this. in, in the month of March, it was it was awfully cold and it was a, a tough time. As a matter of fact, all the clothes that I would wear I would end up throwing away I wouldn't even go home to change I would go to a friend's dorm to to change and get ready for classes but at the end of of these 10 days they found out I I wasn't one that would easily quit I stayed the course I finished with the uh, finished doing all the maneuvers doing all the running I proved myself that I could stand the course with those guys, and they accepted me as being part of the fraternity. Now, I, like most people, I feel I have to prove myself. But what's interesting is that our Lord Jesus Christ, Our our Savior, he never once set out to prove himself. It was God who who proved to the world that Jesus is the Christ. And I'm convinced that when we, as born-again believers, stop trying to prove who we are and start trusting who we are in Christ, that we'll no longer have to prove ourselves, but we'll find that we've been proven by God. That was the case for our, our Savior. In this text, Peter calls for the listeners to hear his words. The words of Peter focused on Jesus of Nazareth. It seemed to me that, that Peter was using Jesus' hometown here as as part of identifying him, him to us to remind us of what took place with Philip and Nathaniel. We remember when Philip met Jesus, he went to Nathaniel and he said, come, Come see the man who who Moses and the prophets wrote of. Come see him, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel had a reply to Philip. Nathaniel's reply was: we find in, in John 1 and 46 that, that how can anything good come out of Nazareth? But Peter responded, or Philip responded to Nathaniel by saying, Come and see. Folks, it seems here in this text, while Peter putting this there, that Peter is more emphatic about Jesus being the Messiah. Peter's faith in Jesus is clearly on display. And Peter continues by telling us that, that Jesus is the man attested by God. King James uses the word approved. In other words, Peter is telling us that Jesus is the man that is approved of God. What Peter is saying that is that God has sanctioned or endorsed this man Jesus of Nazareth God has put his stamp of approval upon this man showing all men that Jesus was perfect and acceptable to God the proof of this is seen in all the many miracles all the wonders and signs that God did through this man Jesus Christ The miracles, the wonders, and signs were done where where many who were listening to Peter's message had even seen them and witnessed them. Many of them may have been too drunk to remember that or to even realize that Jesus is the one who turned the water into wine at the wedding in Cana. But if we remember, there were 5,000 men plus women and children who were at a a seaside one day when Jesus fed them all with just two fish and five loaves of bread. Yes, many of these witnessed this, or at least were recipients of this blessing. And, you know, it goes. the story goes a little further. That's not all of the miracle, that out of two fish and five loaves of bread, he fed over 5,000 men, plus women and children, but they took up 12 baskets of leftovers. Oh, oh! what miracle, what wonder, what signs did he, did he provide for them? Some were there when he healed a man who had been paralyzed. Some were there when he opened the eyes of the blind. Some were there when he, he called the, the dumb to talk. Some were there when he called Lazarus out of the grave when he had been there for four days. And with just these miracles, these wonders, and these signs alone, It's no wonder Peter believed that Jesus is the one who was approved and attested by God. But that's not all. Peter goes a little further and he shares with us here that that God sent his son into the world knowing exactly what we would do to him. In God's foreknowledge, he knew Jesus would be beaten, spat upon, nailed to an old rugged cross and, and that he would give his life he knew the wickedness of man and he, he sent his only begotten son into this world anyway. God sent him for the very purpose of providing us a way to have a relationship with him. And this was provided through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, Peter is wanting them to understand who this man he has placed his faith in, what all this man he has placed his faith in has done and be with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It ended the agony of death for the believer, for those of us who have repented of our sins, those of us who've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, for those who have been indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. Death no longer has a sting. The grave no longer has a victory. The grave is no longer our... Enemy, but death has become our friend. How is it? How is it that I, to be so emphatic, be so in, assured that this is true? How can I say with all faith that this is the truth because of the man that God has attested, the man that God has approved? Jesus of Nazareth. It's all because of our faith in him. Too many people are still looking for miracles, signs and wonders. Too many are refusing to believe. But the truth is this. The fact that people refuse to believe. The fact that they're crying out for Jesus Christ to to do one more miracle to prove himself. Doesn't change the fact that he is the Christ Christ. It doesn't change the fact that he is the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God, because God has already approved of him. It doesn't matter what we believe, but God has approved him. It was declared twice in the book of Matthew. If we remember when Jesus was being baptized, suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I well pleased. On the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17 and 5, while Peter was saying, let's build a tabernacle for for all three of these men up here, God cried out. He cried out. Behold, this is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Yes. Peter's faith is proven. Proven. Peter's faith is in a proven Jesus. And it's evident here in this portion of the message. But if we look there in verses 25 through 28, we also find that Peter not only had faith in a proven Jesus, but Peter had faith in the prophecy concerning Jesus. Well, the prophecy in question here is that of King David. Peter is saying in Psalm 16, it's saying that Psalm 16, 8 and 11, that David is referring to the Christ. And this prophecy of David appears to depict the life of Jesus, his daily life here on earth. Jesus' life on earth was fully committed to doing the Father's will. His, his life here on earth, and, uh, for him to be able to do the Father's will, he, he had to experience while on earth the constant presence and power of God. How, how did he do this? How did he experience the constant presence and power of God? I, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, he was 100% God. Yes, he was but it was also a hundred percent man. So how, when we can't as mortal men and women, we can't experience God's power and presence, or maybe let me back up. Let me say this correctly. We don't experience God's power and presence constantly. Often we may go days. We may go weeks. We may go months Without even experiencing God's presence and power in our daily lives, we may have moments when we don't even feel saved. So how is it that Jesus experienced God's power and presence constantly? Well, right here in this Psalm of David, we see that he tells us, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. In other words, he kept his face before God. He was always conscious of God's presence and he allowed God's presence and power to captivate his every thought. If you had a conversation with, with Jesus, it wasn't, it wasn't, you didn't end up in gossip about someone. It wasn't about just worldly things, but his conversation always focused on God. So he kept his mind and his thoughts right there. How many of us have trouble captivating our thoughts? Yes, we all do. Our thoughts will wander, and sometimes we'll wander along with them. But we've got to learn to captivate them and set them on God. As a matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6 tells us, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience with your obedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Folks, it's because he kept his mind and his heart focused on God and because he did this his will for his life god was by his was by his side god was right there with him the bible says here that he was at his right hand because Jesus kept his heart, mind on God, his heart rejoiced and his mouth praised the Lord. We see that there in verse twenty-six. Because Jesus kept his heart, mind on God, he could rest in hope. This isn't wishful thinking. This is an, this is rest in the assurance of God. Hebrews twelve and two says, "Look into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith." For Who, for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising the shame and and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God because Jesus kept his mind and his heart on God he he kept his mind and his heart on the joy that was set before him and he could be at peace and he could have hope because he kept his heart and his mind on God he knew he would be delivered from death he knew he would not be left Abandoned. He knew that he would not be left in hell. Jesus, the Holy One, his eyes was constantly on God and he would not be left to be destroyed in corruption. Because Jesus kept his heart and his mind on God, God revealed the way of life to Jesus. And this way of life brings joy because it's a life that experiences the presence and the power of God. Why? Why would Peter quote David? Perhaps it's because David knew something about having his heart focused on God. Now, we know David wasn't a perfect man. No, David wasn't a sinless man. No, David is not who we measure our lives by. But God declared David to be a man after his own heart. In other words, David longed to please God. David trusted God and he called upon God. How else could David write Psalm 23 when he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the... He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was able to write these words because he had his heart and his mind focused on God. Oh, yeah, I know what you're thinking, but David got in trouble. Yes, he got in trouble when he was focused on being the king. (laughs) You and I will get in trouble when we focus on our employment or we focus on our calling more than we focus on God. I've come to understand that I get in trouble, spiritually speaking, When I'm focused more on pastoral work than I do on my relationship with God. So in the midst of all of this, if I'm not right with God, I'm no good for you. Here, Peter is telling us. He is telling us that we can... That we can trust the prophecy that's concerning Jesus Christ. It's no wonder David was able to write about the coming Messiah in Psalm 16. David had such a heart for God that he experienced God's presence and power in times of weakness. And God revealed to him the way of life. Well, family, I pray that you truly have a heart for God. And if we do, then he will ever be before us we'll settle our hearts and bring our minds into captivity so that we would or we could be more obedient to Christ because it's when we are obedient that we experience more of his presence and his power now let's be honest how often don't we feel far from God how often don't we come to the house of God with our hearts and our minds on the cares of this world and when we do, it hinders our worship or our praise, or it hinders us from rejoicing in the Lord. Uh, sometimes I, I've heard the people I've heard people say, "Well, I, I just wasn't fed today." Listen, I've heard preaching from all across the, the United States. And I want to tell you, there's as good a preaching in Robinson County, Hope County, Scotland County, Columbus County, Cumberland County, uh, Sampson County as there is anywhere in the world. My question is, if you didn't get fed, <laughs> did you even sit down at the table and, pre- and try to eat? Too often we want God to shower down his presence and his power. But we fail to spend time with him. We fail to have him upon our hearts and our minds. We fail to hear from him by reading his word. And I'll go as far as to say if we don't feel like praising the Lord. It's, because, it's not simply because of our circumstances. It's got more to do with the fact that we haven't spent time with him in his word. Because if we read his word we'll have reason to rejoice. We win. We've won. It's already been settled. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the victory is ours. We're not waiting on victory. We've been given victory. When we focus our hearts and our minds on Jesus... We'll not only rejoice, but we'll rest in hope. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 29 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When we focus our heart and our minds on Jesus, we'll know that we don't have to fear death for John 14, 1 through 3, it tells us, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you will be also. Oh, in our heavenly father's house, there's no Corruption. All things are made new. And we who have our hearts and minds focused on Jesus, he has revealed to us our way to our heavenly home. In John 14 and 6, Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, don't let anyone fool you. Don't let anyone trick you. Don't let anyone deceive you. Jesus is the only way. To God, and there is only one God. That's the Father of our Lord and Savior, our Heavenly Father. So, my question to you as we see Peter's faith on display, his faith on who Jesus is, his faith on the prophecy of Jesus, while it's on display, my question to you is are you ready? Are you ready to focus your heart and your mind on the Lord? Are you ready to place your faith in the prophecy of a proven Jesus? In other words, are you ready for your life to be pleasing to God? Oh, if so, would you bow with me? Would you just bow with me and, and just pray along with me? God, we. God, I call out to you. I'm lost, far from you. And God, I need a Savior. Without a Savior, I will perish. And I believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. God, I receive your Son, your Son, the man, Jesus, as my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins and cleanse me unto your righteousness God thank you thank you for saving me thank you God for changing my life now help me as I walk each day setting my heart and my mind before you lead me and I'll praise you for everything that's accomplished in Jesus name Amen. Oh, if you prayed this prayer with us and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you believe that he saved you today. You've been forgiven of your sins. You've been washed clean and the Holy Spirit is now indwelled within you. We just praise God for you. And we ask that you would share with us either on the comment section or even through an inbox on the the Facebook page, or if you want to call the church and maybe even leave a message, you can reach us at 910-628-9117. But let us know, let someone know that your life has now been eternally changed, that you've received Jesus as your Savior, and we'll help pray as you walk in a new life. Oh, we pray that God's blessings are upon each of you. And maybe right now, you're wondering, you're wondering, should I give my life to Jesus? Maybe right now, you're you're still contemplating. Well, I want to assure you, you should give your life to Jesus. I want to encourage you that while you hear this next song, That he is still calling. He's calling for you to come. Come to know him. And let him. Have preeminence. In your life. And he. He will do you good. And you will be glad. This we we offer. In Jesus name. May God bless. Each one of you.